Cheryl Atkinson is investigative reporter. She's the host of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, and uh, she joins us now. Uh, welcome to the program, Cheryl. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. So everybody said, well, not everybody, but the press made you uh, look like a loon and a crazy person when you were reporting the facts on Benghazi. And then I'll never forget the video that you you took. Maybe you were in a hotel room or something. I can't I can't remember exactly, but I remember you having on your phone tape of someone turning on your computer and I think deleting things from your computer. Was that what was happening? Well, that was way after the initial forensics and discovery of the government intrusion on a third computer. Yes, while I was working, uh, there was a remote access and hyper quick deletion before my very eyes of something that is not possible to do by holding down a key yourself or anything like that. And yes, Media Matters launched an effort to talk to a supposed forensics expert who'd never looked at any of these computers who declared I was holding down my backspace key or that it was stuck and therefore none of the computer intrusion story was true and it was all just, you know, sort of made up craziness. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think, and I don't think it took hold as much as they hoped. I mean, that was widely reported in the liberal press, but um, I do think most people understood we have and had the forensics that prove the government intrusion from the start. And now, as you said, we have a federal agent, former federal agent involved in the surveillance who has admitted being part of it and helped us with some information. Okay, so tell me how that came about. How How did you get this? How did this guy flip or this woman flip? Uh, and and why? The lawsuit um, that I fought for about six years at great expense with the government fighting every step of the way, so I never got a page of discovery, was ultimately mm. dismissed last year with the main judge, although there was a great dissenting judge who disagreed, but the main judge saying, I should have the names of the agents, not just the forensic proof showing the government did it. I needed to know the names of the people who were involved. And we argued we can't do that unless we get discovery. So it was this horrible loop. Right. Um, but we put out sort of an all call for information because we were at a dead end, if that's what was required. And we were contacted by a number of people that had been vetted, not by me. So I have limited information, but my attorneys have been researching and vetting people for four to five months. And as for motivation, I don't know, except It could be, you know, these are shady characters involved in doing this. You can imagine the federal agents who'd be willing to do illegal surveillance on lots of Americans, according to this information, not just me. That's all along why this was important. It wasn't because of me. But uh, one of the people we name in the lawsuit is a former Secret Service agent who's in prison for other government corruption already. So these are the kinds of people you're dealing with that you have to sort through the truth and sort through their information. And, and my vetters think that they have very good information now. Will it be enough to convince the judge to let us open this case with the names? I don't know. So, Cheryl, it would, it would be kind of uh, comforting to know that these were all rogue agents. Um, but do you believe that that is true? Is that what the evidence is showing you, that these might be all rogue agents, or was there coordination? There was, according to our information, coordination out of a sort of a task force, you could call it, run out of the U.S. attorney's office in Baltimore at the time under then U.S. attorney Rod Rosenstein with a task force of people that included 
FBI, Secret Service, um, contractors that were tasked sometimes to ATF, DEA, Secret Service, and FBI. This is a group that, and I believe this is just my theory based on information I have from people who work on the inside. There are numerous dark groups that do work like this totally outside the FISA process. I mean, people have asked whether FISA warrant should be approved, but we knew all along there was no FISA warrant on me. I had sources that told me that. So we knew all along that the spying on me was done outside the system entirely, sort of this extra legal system that happens, um, yes, I believe, with the knowledge of important people inside the Department of Justice. Therefore, Glenn, we're at this loggerheads where no matter what we know, even if the guys bring themselves in handcuffs to me or to the government, to the courts, if Department of Justice doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to prosecute themselves, it still goes nowhere unless there's, I guess, somehow enough public pressure for people to say do something. So uh, the the Justice Department, uh, I mean, we've lost we've lost justice and intelligence in this uh, country in more ways than one. But those two departments, I think, are really, really screwed up. Uh, they were um, they were turning a blind eye uh, at at best. But I think the corruption starts at the very, very top. Is there any indication to you that any of this stuff, because, I mean, Trump is 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 paying the price for this kind of corruption himself uh, right now. Is there any any clue that this stuff is going to be cleaned up? Is there anybody that is is going to ride into the rescue here? So far, sadly, no. I mean, nothing has changed for us in fighting our lawsuit at Department of Justice between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. The same people are still fighting it. They don't seem to care about the forensics, which, again, these are undeniable forensics. It's not something you can dispute as to whether the government's software and the government's IP addresses were involved. They're still fighting it instead of doing the obvious, which they should say, boy, this is serious. We need to get to the bottom of who may have done this. They're, they're you know, in essence, covering up and obstructing. And I, I don't know what to do about that except to say that, in my view, there are still people in important places that don't want things like this to come to light. And I think that's in part because, as I said, this is way bigger than just the surveillance on me. Who cares about that other than me? But this was done, we believe, and our information says, on hundreds of innocent U.S. citizens and other journalists. I just happen to have the intel contacts to get the forensics exam and and prove it. So tell me exactly what they were doing to you and what you think they might be doing to others. They were around March of 2011 um, surveilling me, ATF agents who were involved in exposing the illegal fast and furious operation that the government had denied at first, moving weapons into a sovereign nation of Mexico into the hands of Mexican drug cartels. And they were ineffectively monitoring everything I did on my computer through government software, proprietary only to the U.S. government intel agencies that we see in our computer, in my computers, while I was at CBS. So they could monitor all my keystrokes. They got into the CBS program. CBS announced this, by the way. There's not any disputing this, that, you know, the programs were, their computers were infiltrated, not just my forensics, but we hired a separate forensics team at CBS that confirmed uh, the intrusions. And um, they were able to use Skype 
you know, I don't use Skype anymore because I didn't know at the time. It can be activated silently by government or government software. They can listen in on what your conversations are without you knowing it, and they can exfiltrate files through Skype, which they did. Um, they had which means they can password. go in. Which means they can go in and take files that you have on your computer that are not related to Skype and take them right. without you knowing. Yes. Right. They could remotely operate my computer at any given time. You know, they can set up an operation where they can access it as if they were sitting at your computer. I mean, all kinds of things. And basically wanting to know, I assume, what I was working on, what I was about to report, and most importantly, what Obama officials or administration folks were talking to me and giving me the information that I was using to break stories with. Who do you think this affects in the real world? What I think some people may miss about all of this is if they are, there were three classified documents planted in my computer as well. And planted, a lot of how, wait a minute, what do, you, what do you mean planted in your well, company? The, the forensics show that deep in my operating system in a place I didn't even know existed because I don't know that much about computers, there were government classified documents that I didn't put there. So the conclusion was that someone obviously put them there. Are they trying to frame somebody for having supposedly given them to me so they could take action against an insider? I mean, who knows why they did that? But to all the people who say, I don't care if the government listens to me, and I do hear this because I don't do anything wrong. I don't Mm -hmm. have anything in there. Well, imagine the mischief that can occur if the government's not on your side or if there are bad actors inside the government who are willing to do bad things, you know, to make you look guilty or to make it seem like you've done something. Um, There's other information that's not in the complaint yet that's very chilling um, that I don't want to talk about yet for legal reasons, but the kinds of stuff they were allegedly doing to me and other Americans would just, you know, it's even more chilling than what I've described. So we should all be concerned. And when do you file that? Well, the complaint is filed we'll get details and depositions and subpoenas and all of those things if if this case is allowed to move forward. And that's where I think a lot more information comes out. How can the average person get involved and help in this if they want to, Cheryl? Well, I think if this had been paid more attention to as well as some other red flags, we wouldn't have had the 2016 abuses. This is really important. If, if these things aren't resolved, we're just going to expect more of the same. So I would say, can you tell the Trump administration, the Justice Department, tweet, say publicly, whatever you can do, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't let it be swept under the rug. Investigate this Baltimore task force that was conducting, allegedly conducting surveillance on hundreds of Americans and journalists and government whistleblowers and so on. You know, don't let it go away, regardless of what happens to my individual case. It's just too important. Cheryl, thank you. Keep us up to speed on this, and thank you for all you're doing. And uh, I know what it's like to fight the government, and I don't think the average person, I mean, I, my eyes were were opened to a new reality when uh, I had to fight a, a lawsuit, and the government had all of the information, and I happened to have been passed all of the information, but the court wouldn't accept it. Um, right. Unless it came from the government and the government wouldn't release it. Uh, and I mean, it, it's it, it, when they decide you're done, you're done. Right. 
and they have unlimited tax money. I do have some advocates that have started on GoFundMe, a Fourth Amendment litigation fund, Cheryl Atkinson. That's the only way. I mean, I'm still like deep in a hole, but they have spent millions of taxpayer dollars obstructing this. They can go on forever. You know, they can just do do as much as it takes. That's the sad part. They can print money. You can't. Cheryl, thank you very much. Thank you. You bet. Investigative uh, reporter Cheryl Atkinson, uh, who has been under the thumb of the government for quite some time. This is stuff that if we don't stop it now, we don't stop it and we become Mexico or Russia. And there are people I can guarantee you there are people on both sides of the aisle that don't mind this stuff. Because, yeah, they'll not use it for bad. It's just the other side. They've got to use it to stop the other side. I'm telling you, if we don't stop this stuff, if we don't investigate, if we don't clear our intelligence and justice department, we don't make it. And we become a very, very dark state. Gun. It's interesting listening to that Cheryl Atkinson thing because we there's something that happened over the past uh, few days with Paul Krugman. Have you have you followed this at all? Yeah, that <laughs> that he says somebody's putting child porn on his computer. Or yeah, something like that. so he tweets yeah. out kind of out of nowhere. Hey, I'm on the phone with tech support. They're telling me there's a bunch of child porn on my computer. Someone's been putting it on there, and everyone immediately sort of jumps to this idea understandably that it seems like maybe he's trying to get out ahead of something right (laughs) it seems like oh well soon you're gonna be reading about something and i want you to know that that's that wasn't me you know that's 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 that's, those are bad people planting stuff there and you know i don't know to me probably you're going to i don't know as soon as you find out about this you're going to fbi the last thing you're doing is tweeting about it right like it's a bizarre thing to do but i guess it's 2020 that's what people do with their problems they tweet them but it's interesting, though, I think we're entering an era where it's, of course, going to be easy every time some, one of your political opponents comes out and says, I don't know, it was planted there. But we're getting to a point where that's going to become more and more real. You know, I don't know if it's happening yet. I mean, at some level, obviously, we've seen it with Cheryl here, and, and there's been some other and look limited at what circumstances. Still, she's still... Fighting it. Still fighting it. Who who doesn't think that the government wouldn't do that? And I'm saying on either side, who doesn't right. think that the government wouldn't go in to a reporter at the zenith of their power with a big scandal and this reporter is to... Who didn't think that they wouldn't do that? Right. Of course they would. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone on the left mocked Cheryl for this. Yeah. Back in the they day. Didn't, they didn't, you know, when Robert Redford was going through it and all the president's men, they didn't laugh. Yeah, exactly. But now, with Trump in office, they would all say they think it's happening to them. Yeah. And that's now credible because right. they're saying it. Uh, but, you know, and when we get into this world of deep fakes and uh, all the cyber hacking that's already going on, who knows when they're going to start planting this stuff? And at some, someone's going to be hit by this and is going to be completely innocent. And oh. our, the first people are not going to be believed, right? Like, it's going to be 30 years until they're exonerated. Uh, maybe in the, the distant future, we'll kind of discover that those their claims of being hacked and stuff were real. But it takes a long time, and you lose reputations. Because and of if it. you lose reputations, you're going to lose you're going to lose freedom for people. You'll lose freedom for people 
It will be on their server, and it it will have nothing to do with them. They won't necessarily know, or something that can exonerate them will be deleted. Facts will be changed. Video will be developed. We're living in the time. We are we are maybe days away, weeks away, months away, but we're not years away from evidence being easily manufactured to be able to take someone down. Uh, and not just by the government, by anybody nefarious. Yeah, we're already at the point where the commercially available, you're just on the web searching for a while, you can find programs that will do deep fakes to a point of some believability, right? Like, to the point where they look pretty real. Some of them look really real. Really real. Let me ask you again. If you saw Star Wars, yeah, uh, Carrie Fisher's dead. Yeah. Not a second of that was her. Did you know that? Did you recognize that? I mean, that's a deep fake voice and a deep fake image. And you can't tell. Pretty big spoiler alert there that Carrie Fisher's dead. <laughs> I mean, you just breaking that out. What if people I haven't just, seen the movie yet? I, well, not Leia. I didn't say Leia. No, I'm just, you know, just Carrie Fisher. Just Carrie Fisher. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Uh, stick with us. Steve Dace coming up in just a few minutes. He's going to talk to us about the Iowa primary. There's a new poll that is out now. Yeah, Des Moines Register, which is one of the you know the highest rated, ranked uh, pollster, came out with a basically a four way race for Iowa among the Democrats. Bernie Sanders at twenty percent. Uh, you've got Elizabeth Warren at seventeen, Pete Buttigieg at sixteen, and Joe Biden at fifteen. Uh, and, you know, Buttigieg had a big fall off. I think it was at 24, the last poll. So 24 mm-hmm. down to 16. Uh, his approval ratings, uh, favorability ratings have dropped pr- relatively dramatically as well. Uh, so he seems to be fading a little bit. Sanders is the guy coming on. He's got all the money. He's got Just the organization. Get it. I know. And he's got the most enthusiastic supporters, which will help him in a caucus yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, plus, he has, even if he finishes second or third over and over again, he's got enough money and enough donors that he can, he can drag this thing out and make everybody miserable over mm-hmm. there. So that part of it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. So do you be the John Kasich uh, that just won't go away. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, kind of vibe. That's, that's mm-hmm. great. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, the um, uh, last Thursday... Uh, by the way, we're going to talk to Steve coming up in uh, in just a second about all this, and I I really want to get into the Buddha judge with his his rally this weekend mm. did not go well. Uh, he had some protesters come in, and they were you know Black Lives Matter, and he's just he's uh, not doing well with the African American community. Oh no! Uh, so we'll get into that coming up in uh, in just a second with Steve. Last Thursday, I met with a good friend of mine. Man, my Thursday really kind of sucked. Um, I do this podcast with a friend. I find out in the podcast that he had uh, he had died on the operating table. I knew that he had some problems. I didn't know he had died on the operating table. And uh, find this out in the middle of this amazing podcast. He just he wrote a book called "Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It." And uh, uh, and I think his his life did depend on it. And what he learned, I mean, he had already written this book, but he used what he wrote in this book to pull himself back from the darkness. It's quite amazing. Listen to this part of the podcast. 
I went through some a really traumatic uh, surgery three months ago, uh, like, and, and uh, I was basically dead. <laughs> and where I bled to death, I was spraying blood everywhere after surgery, after I was, as I was leaving the hospital, artery burst, and I was spraying, spraying blood on everyone, and basically bled oh to God. death, and they had to grab me and shove me into an operating room and slash me open and go fix it. Wow. To save my life. And literally, it was, the, it was that, that close. And so <clears throat> when I got out of the hospital, I was in an insane amount of pain because of when your blood builds up enough that it bursts out of your body, you know, it's not pretty, right? Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's like an oil well, you yeah. know, coming out of you. I can't imagine. And um, you don't want to either. Sorry no. for the details. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? It's pretty freaky. <laughs> and I was in, I, love, I didn't know pain like this could exist. You know, like the level of pain I was in because it was also in the lower abdominal area. There's a lot of nerves there. And so I was on... You name it, every kind of narcotic they uh-huh. gave me. You know, in the uh-huh. hospital, it was also IVs and pills and uh-huh. that. When I got out, the surgeon said to me, I had multiple surgeons. One of them said, like, look, if there's anyone who qualifies for these drugs, it's you. You know, so don't worry. We'll keep giving you enough. We just have to call in prescriptions every time because of new laws. And a week into it, and, you know, let me tell you, they're nice. They dull the pain. They kind of make you not care. You're just yeah. lying there. And also, you're lying there incapacitated at home. And I realized... A week into it, I went off cold turkey. Just cold turkey. Why? Because I turned in this manuscript for this book before I had gone to the surgery. It's expecting a basic elective surgery, I'll be out. And now the publisher was sending me the, the final proofs with the copy edits. And, if, and as you know, when you're a writer, you care about every word. And you want your words to be there, not the copy editor's word. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the material and realizing my mind wasn't there. If I was on these drugs, I couldn't give my all to this book. And so it was like, I realized, look, this was purpose. And that was, that was bigger than pain. I would deal with pain. Forget the drugs. I need to be clear because I have purpose. And I think, and I realized looking at times in my life when, when I had, when I struggled with, when I was just like, okay, I'm going to go. I thought I was playing with drugs. You think you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you're stronger than them. That's also a very interesting thing. I always thought I was stronger at it. Mm-hmm. It won't, it won't destroy me. I'm different, mm-hmm. right? I will, I'll do it for a little while. I'll get out of it. No one will ever know. Mm-hmm. You know, and no one ever really did, honestly. You know, um, but for the grace of God, here am I, because I tried them all, and there's dangerous stuff out there. And I was, I think, I was trying to destroy myself. And but those are the times where I think I didn't have purpose, where I was drifting. But if you have purpose, if you have a vision, if you have something you move towards that you think is bigger than you. For me, this putting this book out to the world, this book is so important. It's bigger than me. It's, it belongs to the world. Whereas me, I'm going to be here for a certain amount of time. I almost left. I may leave again. <laughs> but the book, but the book was more important. So I had purpose. And I think with addiction, and I've talked to some friends about it who've been through it, but, you know, we're talking about who've dealt with it. And it's like usually they were able to beat addiction when they found something bigger than them. People can find faith. People can find something family. People can find something, you know, whatever. But it's got to be bigger than you. Let me tell you that I know this to be true. When I met with Billy Graham, he said to me after I said, what? Where is Abraham Lincoln? Where's the next George Washington? Where's the, where's the next Billy Graham? And he said, I think God's done with the superstars. He said, he wants the credit. 
And he said, everybody is born for a reason. Everybody is here right now, and everybody is hearing what they're supposed to do, but so many might dismiss it. So many might think it's impossible, or they'll look for another way to do it, or they will look for someone to help them, and they'll be frustrated because they, are so, they think they're supposed to complete it when all they're really supposed to do is do exactly what they were meant to do. That purpose exists for all of us right now. We're all here for a reason. And there are ways now to connect like never before. I got something from a friend of mine who our daughters are contemporaries. They're friends. They went to school together. They're, they're, they're 13. She's 13, this, this girl, Ava Mabry. She's 13 years old. Same age as my daughter. And you want to talk about everybody has something they're supposed to do. Mark, her dad, sent this to me last week, and I've had it on repeat for the last few days because, boy, I really needed it. And I realized you might really need this. We're supposed to look for connections and just do what we're supposed to do. So let me do what I'm supposed to do today. This is a 13-year-old girl. She was discovered by somebody on YouTube uh, recently and um, said, can you come to Nashville? And the parents, my, f- my friends, picked up their house and moved to Nashville. And he just sent me this song by his 13-year-old daughter. Listen. Like my 
we are all the same, just in different places, struggling with many of the same things. This ain't the same old prayer that I usually say, because things got real today. I found myself saying that this weekend. Let me do my part. If that's who you are. Just tell me it will be okay. Strangely, I feel compelled to tell you today. It will be. It's all going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Everything will be okay. Welcome to the uh, program. I have it on my to-do list to make my predictions public. Uh, my predictions for uh, 2020. Steve Dace has uh, already done that. Uh, he uh, He's coming up in just a second. L- l- listen to a few of these. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Soul be the number one grossing movie of uh, the year. Four different people will win the first four states in the Democratic presidential primary to set off a free-for-all for for the nomination. I think that's absolutely possible. Um, For the first time since Kennedy Carter in 1980, there will be a truly brokered convention. Possible. A move will be made to nominate Michelle Obama as a compromise candidate for uh, for president at the brokered Democratic convention, which she will turn down. Possible. Uh, The Democrats will nominate Bernie Sanders for president. I mean, these are not like your halfway predictions that can be proved. You know, it's hard to prove them wrong later on. I mean, Steve went for it here. These are specific. He went for the the vice presidential uh, candidate and and who's going to win the election. And I agree with him on this one. Uh, Donald Trump will be reelected president with more popular votes and electoral college votes than he had uh, the last time. Uh, I, I mean, I can't wait to hear how he gets Bernie Sanders at a brokered convention. That's interesting because Sanders would be the guy who can win. I mean, he has a legit chance to win. He's leading in Iowa. He has a very good chance of winning New Hampshire. So if you win the first two states, can you win Nevada where he's already competitive? Absolutely, he could win that. If you win the first three states, I mean, yeah, right now Joe Biden looks hard to beat in South Carolina. But if he loses three consecutive states to Sanders, you got to believe Sanders has a really good chance of doing if this. If Sanders wins the first three states, I think he could get the nomination. Yeah, the last non-incumbent to do this was Al Gore in 2000. He went on to only win all of the primaries so uh, you don't usually lose when you (laughs) it's not a thing right you don't win the first three states and then then lose lose. the election i've never seen it happen and it's very i mean look he could easily lose iowa and that turns this all upside down but what's interesting about steve's predictions is he's predicting the sort of breakup that someone like bloomberg is hoping for or even biden to you know hopefully there's a lot of chaos and he can win out as a consensus choice in the end uh and he's predicting Sanders is the guy who comes out of all that. I mean, that's 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 a that's an interesting theory, and I like how specific he is. Steve's just going for it. He's like, I don't care. He's uh, he's going to join us next with uh, the latest from Iowa and his predictions. Also, a uh, a pretty big, exciting announcement coming up in about thirty minutes. Stand by.